The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Cool your PC later and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Rory Blythe. This is Jeff Maciolik here to announce show number 69 with guest Richard Campbell, recorded live Thursday, June 24th. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering hands-on VB.NET and ASP.NET classes remotely. Online at www.franklins.net and by Data Dynamics, makers of ActiveReports.net. Simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.net web applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com and by Dundas Chart. Advanced technology, advanced results. Online at www.dundaschart.com. Support is also provided by Code Magazine, Microsoft Technologies in-depth for IT managers and developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who was once told by a French waiter, "No, you cannot write the application in Fox Pro," Carl Franklin. <laughs> oh yes. And uh, that is a reference, actually, to DevTeach, where I was at last week. But uh, before I explain that, let me introduce Rory. Rory Blythe in Portland. How you doing, man? Doing all right. You know, hanging out, just sort of doing my thing. How you feeling? I'm feeling interesting today. I am starting an antidepressant given to me by my doctor, and I'm going through... It, it's a rather turbulent stage. It's... Uh, when you take a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, which causes serotonin to be more effective in areas where it has previously been, you know, arriving in diminished supplies, it's actually not very selective. And so you mm. get this huge, like, rush of serotonin all over everything, and you basically just go crazy for about a week. But after that, I guess it's supposed to be really nice. So, so you're so you're sort of uh, in this limbo time right now. I don't know if it's limbo. Um, it's sort of like Alice in Wonderland kind of <laughs> stuff, you know. But... Uh, no, I'm, I'm actually pretty happy about it because, you know, I've been down lately and right. I figured that a little bit of strangeness and a little bit of a little bit of uh, the sweats, upset, stomach confusion, flushing, falling down, being dizzy and things like that is worth getting better. So, oh, good, good. They say it all goes away after like two years or something. Well, we'll try to keep the laughs to a minimum so you won't uh, throw up or something. Uh, although I, have, I, can't prom- <laughs> I can't promise anything. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's fine. That's fine. No, so how are you? How's things? How's how's Clara actually? Oh, Clara's just fine. Clara's just fine. Thanks okay. for asking. And a couple of people have expressed their concern. Let me just say every everybody she's just fine. She's doing great. Um, yeah. It's as if she never had it. I mean, after the first two days of actually after the first day of antibiotics, at the end of the day, she was 
And she had this little skin rash, too, that just magically cleared up and just went away. It's amazing what those nice. things do. <laughs> so, yep. Well, Rory, I had a great time up at uh, DevTeach Montreal. I wish you were there. And uh, it's too bad. Maybe next year you can yeah. go. But uh, really the, wanted to go. I've never been to Montreal. Yeah, it was very nice. It was very nice. And the Fox Pro reference, because they actually have uh, – it, it started out as a Fox Pro community. So there's a lot of Fox people up there that are trying to learn VBNet and C Sharp and well, ASP.NET. Montreal did? Yeah, yeah. And in general, the, the people around this DevTeach conference and the people who know, you know, the core group of people who uh, put it on. So there's a uh, so there's a big Fox Pro community there. And I would typically have people in my classes, you know, a third of them would be Fox programmers learning VBNet, and some of them would be C-sharp programmers, some would be uh, Java programmers and others. You know, so it had just a great big mix of people. And, nice. uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I got to give a shout-out to Jim Duffy, who gave me this, uh, well, it's a doll, it's a toy, it's an action figure, that's what it is. And it's called Geek Man. And Geek Man has a, a website, www.happyworker.com slash geekman. It's a little action figure. It's a, it says, he's a hunk of, hunk of nerdly love. <laughs> Propeller head, computer freak. He's the super alpha uber geek, geek man. <laughs> he comes with a pocket protector and glasses and all sorts of fun stuff. So, And, and he, the box is the funniest part about it. You got to read the box. Because it shows, you know, his powers, his superpowers, uh, you know, mm-hmm. aversion to human contact and, uh, you know, <laughs> r- repelling the opposite sex. And those are his <laughs> skills. <laughs> That's awesome. Just <laughs> <laughs> cool. It's really, I never would have thought of repelling the opposite sex as being a secret superhero power. That's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. really good. So as uh, as the Schwago the week, we're going to give away a Geek Man and the namespace therein is system.geekman and that's it system.geekman so well, that's simple we'll just uh forget we said that and go on with it said what carl so jeff maceolak oh, you're going to be uh joining us uh apparently on this show i i guess so hi hey we're gonna actually let you come out and uh and talk for once I don't have to get uh, get pushed back into the sound room? No, no, back no. Back in the sound room, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> because the show is um, not just about .NET. In fact, it's not about programming at all. It's, uh, it's about, uh, you know, water-cooled PCs and flying cars. So we thought we'd have some fun and relax a little bit and just geek out. I'm um, good at geeking out, Carl. Yeah. And as it turned out, we didn't have any mail. We didn't have any mail. We got no email this week. You know, hey, want some free swag or nothing. Nothing at all. So uh, I don't have any mail. So, Rory, I guess it's over An to you. An aggressive spam filter or something? Okay. No, no, no. And, well, and of course, you, you're not doing Google Weirdos again this week. You're, you've got some news. Yeah, I've got a little bit of news. Okay. But before the news, I wanted to say that on last week's show, as some of the listeners might remember, you asked me about Chris Anthony and what had happened to him. Chris Anthony, yeah. And he was listening. Yeah, he was. He, the, the, the guy who was known around town as this total Linux zealot, and he was right. causing problems everywhere, and right. you know, just trying to make us feel bad about ourselves for using <laughs> God's programming framework. And he, uh, he wrote to me because he was listening to last week's show. And it turns out that he moved to the West Coast. He took up a job. And 
Uh, he's just been really, really, really busy. But we've emailed a few times, and he also has a new post up on his site, and it turns out that C-sharp is now his favorite programming language. No, you're kidding. Wow. I kid you not. So that's really, really... I think it, What I think is really cool is that at first, he was totally closed-minded. He didn't want to deal with any of this stuff. Right. He didn't want to look at it or consider it. But in the end, he was like reasonable enough to say, okay, you know, I'll give it a shot. And he, right. gave it a and shot. he still uses all the other stuff, of course, but... He just wanted to know, know what he was talking down. Get sure. A, get yeah. a good... And now it turns out that he likes what he was talking down. And I think it actually takes a pretty big person to you yeah, know, sure make that does. much noise about something and then turn around and admit and say, you know what, hey, maybe I wasn't totally right about this stuff. True. So True. I thought that was actually really cool. And the other thing that I wanted to clear up, and I wrote to him about this as well, is a lot of people think that I am Chris Anthony, and Chris Anthony is me, and that he really? was this secret... Oh, yeah. People think that he's the secret project of mine where I was writing the blog posts <laughs> to, to make it look like I converted somebody from Linux or whatever, and I mentioned that to him in, an, in a response, in an email that, that I wrote to him in response to his, and he wrote back saying, yeah, you know, when I first showed up on the scene, people were actually writing to me asking me how Corey was, and Corey is my girlfriend. How Corey okay, so was? I thought they were being really clever and, and outing me. Yeah implying that he is me by hmm. asking him how Corey is. They're implying that he is me. Right, so right, right. I thought that was actually really funny. I had no idea that people were doing that. But anyway, so Chris Anthony is back and he's blogging and he is happy with .NET. And before you, really before you read the news, uh, we just got a, a message on the website that we have a, a website for the live listeners called www.franklins.net slash call.netrocks. And on there, there's a link to a chat program, which we uh, allow people to get into during the show and talk to us and each other. And also, we have a one-way uh, message uh, box where people can send us a message and we're watching. So uh, one of them came from Clark Scott uh, from Melbourne, Australia. And he says, hey, Carl and Rory, just wanted to say you guys rock in all caps. Question, when is .NET Rocks the movie being released? I downloaded the trailer, and it looks like the movie will be a lot of laughs. Rory, dude, and I mean this in the best possible way. You not only sound funny, but, man, you look funny, too. LOL. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to see it. Also, a quick shout-out to all the .NET developers here in Australia. Regards, Clark Scott. Clark, you rock, too, Uh, man. Thanks. Yeah. I look funny, huh? (laughs) <laughs> that's all right well i didn't want to tell you oh, rory wh- but uh yeah <laughs> you know what clark can say that but shove it up your ass jeff oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> don't make me put you back in the sound room for the rest of the show okay now i guess after talking about chris anthony i should also just give his url while we're at it so it's sure. http colon slash slash of course chris ant c-h-r-i-s-a-n-t-h dot blogspot dot com welcome to the dot net community chris was yeah, was conscientious enough to put that out there in ZeepChat beta.03. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. So you, you want to hear some news or what? Yeah, let's hear some news. Let's uh, pretend we have some music. Everybody just boogie down. Actually, why don't we play the Google Weirdos theme? Weirdos, weirdos. Weirdos, weirdos. Weirdos, weirdos. Weirdos, weirdos. Weirdos, weirdos. Google weirdos will not be seen tonight. Instead, we have we bring you this. What are, what is this? <laughs> we bring you this substitute, the news of the weird, <laughs> the news of the week yeah, with Roy Blythe. 
artificial sweetener. It's like the pink stuff, the pink sugar. So Sugar. What we're doing instead this week of Google Weirdos, like we did last week, is doing a little bit of news. And I don't have a whole lot um, because I'm kind of picky about what I think is interesting. And uh, this week, the first thing, the serious thing that I think is pretty cool is the latest episode of the .NET show goes into some details about Monad, which is the new uh, command shell that's coming out in the Longhorn time frame. And I'm totally pumped about this because I've never given up uh, command line interfaces with the PC. I mean, I was born with them and I will die with them if it means I've got to get somebody to plug in an 8086 running at 4.77 megahertz next right. to my you know, hospital bed on yeah. the day that I finally expire. Um, I love command lines. And so that's actually pretty good stuff. msdn.microsoft.com slash the show. Apparently, are, there are no other shows except the for that show. Um, yeah. And then <laughs> on Slashdot, there was a review for a book called Advanced PHP Programming, and I only mention that because I think the idea of advanced PHP programming is really funny. So there's that. Um, <laughs> and then finally, kind of like uh, uh, Hotmail. Hotmail and others follow Gmail storage boost. Now we already knew that Yahoo was doing it, but it looks like Hotmail is finally doing it too. So they're going to boost up to 250 megs of storage. It's kind of like the Cold the War of megs. It's like the Cold War of uh, online mail. You know, there well, isn't it incredible how Google upped the ante so yep, quickly. Yep. I mean, everybody has to follow suit. It's yep. absolutely incredible. It's awesome. And none of them have this space either. You realize right. they're totally overselling their space. They don't have it. Yeah, and and they're offering it because they're counting on ninety percent of the users to just continue using things the way they are now. I would imagine. Right, right. Um, and probably upgrading infrastructure in the meantime. But mm. I just I'm blown away smart. by how much Gmail has changed uh, the the web based email world. Do you so have an account, Rory? Yes, I do, Jeff. I got mine last night. Oh, see, and I've had an account for a couple of days now, so I'm better. But isn't it still like yeah. spam city out there on no. those uh, free email services? I actually haven't had a problem with that yet. Really? But I think it'll come. I haven't come. had anything in my Gmail. Mm. It'll, it will comes on your home service, too. It, I mean, have email address will receive spam, right? No, yeah. It's just one of the I, lame... However, it seems like easier when it's like an AOL or Hotmail or Yahoo because, you you know, people can f- well, somehow find the their way to the whole AOL list. AOL spam their customers. Yeah, and probably. they sell the list and all <laughs> yeah. that. Oh, well. That was actually a news item this week. An AOL employee did get busted for selling a huge list of AOL customers to spammers. So that's actually pretty cool that Hotmail is going to follow suit because they came very, very close to completely losing me to Gmail. So. David Foster from the group says, PHP equals pretty hot programmer. It's not a language. It's a title. <laughs> okay. Well, you and Rory no, can mean, duke it out after the show. Dude, PHP, I won't I will not take money for PHP development. And this is not a joke. Um I did one PHP project and I won't go back. It's such a mess of a language. It takes all the bad qualities of any language from the past fifty years and <laughs> brings them all into Don't hold back, man. And <laughs> and puts them in a web context, which usually already means creating a, a complicated and uncomfortable situation for developers. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not a fan of PHP. It's free, you know, but so is syphilis, right? I mean, these aren't <laughs> things that I'm running out to get immediately. So I don't know. Got my got my feelings about PHP not so hot. So that's the news for the week. Yeah, you're All right. Entitled to your opinion. Cool. And that would be the the news weirdos. <laughs> yeah. The news weirdos for the week. Weirdos, 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 weirdos,
Weedos, weedos. You know, we just like to play the theme. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's just go ahead and introduce the guest, Rory, shall we? Uh, I ri- think that would be a good idea. Cool. Oh, they're coming for you, Richard. <laughs> Richard Campbell is a Microsoft Regional Director and President of Campbell & Associates based in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. He is a consultant to a number of companies in North America focusing on building high-performance, large-scaling websites utilizing Microsoft technology. Richard is also one of the technical editors for Access, VB SQL Advisor, and co-author of the Advisor Answer Columns. In addition to consulting and writing, Richard speaks at conferences around the world. However, all that means shit tonight because we're not talking about .NET, are we? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. How are you, guy? I'm good, man. I, I'm here. I am sitting in my little toy room. I'm in a happy place. Good, good. And just to uh, just to, you know, we really never got to know each other until um, until Dev Teach. But yeah. uh, I did see you at the PDC. You're a recent regional director. You said January was yeah, when only you? this year. And uh, as it turns out, we have a lot of stuff in common, including uh, audio engineering. Yeah, we spent a little, still doing a little time on audio. I never played an instrument worth talking about. Well, but you were been a pro audio engineer, though, whereas that's well, never been. I, just, I, I was a cable monkey who who was allowed to touch the board once in a while. You know, <laughs> after two after two years, they say, okay, one hand. Yeah, but okay, but you've done gigs as an audio engineer. Yeah, I've, you know, mine haven't been probably quite as interesting as yours. But anyway. And uh, we started talking about all this great geeky toy stuff, uh, water-cooled PCs. and Yeah, that was that, over the, the speaker's dinner. So who, <laughs> somebody asked me about the fact that I water-cool my PCs, and it turned into a big rant. Well, the thing was, I, you know, you, I thought it was a joke. And I was like, water-cool? You, you were like, yeah, I water-cool my PCs. And I'm like, what happens when it leaks? <laughs> so I get a puddle under my computer. That's what happens when it leaks. And you actually know be- <laughs> because that happened to you, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you bet. So where have I been? I mean, who water cools their PCs? Rory, have you ever heard of this? Gamers do it. A lot of gamers do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, what, gamers what, it's all about the PCs, overclocking. Yeah. yeah. So that you can take your Pentium and jack it up to 10 gigahertz and, you know, just not melt everything in the immediate vicinity. You know, I mean, I'm exaggerating, but that's essentially what you're doing, right? Well, not by much. The guys at uh, Tom's Hardware jacked a uh, a 3.2 gigahertz processor up to 5.25 by cooling it with liquid nitrogen. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try this at home, isn't kid. that slightly? Isn't that more expensive than just going out and buying a really really fast computer or getting like a dual proc machine? Well, it's probably the fastest clock Pentium Four ever done. Yeah, that that was the whole point. I mean, the, the, they wanted to have the fastest clock machine of all time for that particular moment. How fast did it get up to? 5.25 gigahertz. Oh, jeez. So this is one of those, like, testosterone things. It's, yeah, it's geek studliness. That's what <laughs> oh, it is. Oh, yeah. But uh, one studliness. thing about that, as we were talking, uh, I learned that uh, one, of the co- one of the benefits or the side benefits of water cooling is no fan noise. And of course, my ears yeah, perked true. right up because you know I have a studio and I use the PC for recording, and uh, you know that's always that noise is always the noise that permeates the the atmosphere, and and I'd mm-hmm. like to get rid of it. So I've done some stuff with Dynamat and with you know whisper fans and all that stuff, and it still just doesn't seem to be enough. So that's why that's why it really piqued my interest. But um, with this nit- liquid nitrogen cooled CPU, apparently it's a little bit more noisy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the, the boiling nitrogen sort of gives it away. (laughs) (laughs) 
So well, that, and I think they needed to cool the Northbridge chip because they were jacking the machine up so high. So they actually had a uh, uh, refrigerating compressor running on that, trying to keep it cool enough. So for the for the re- for the people who are listening, and and aren't don't have liquid nitrogen, obviously we're talking about water cooled PCs. How is somebody? You know, is this expensive? Does it work? How does it work? Tell just tell me. Well, if you go through the whole loop, it's. You're uh, you're getting rid of all the high velocity fans, particularly the CPU fan, which typically spins around you know between four and six thousand RPM. So it's the noisy part of your computer. So you're getting rid of that fan. You're getting a little cooling block that has uh, water nipples on it, and uh, you'll cool that. Your Northbridge chip, the, your video card. If you get any high performance video cards, they all have fans on them, so you get rid of that. And you can even cool your hard drives down as well. So all of those things will be connected together with hoses, and then you have a, a pump, a reservoir and some kind of radiator. And there's several different choices now. This technology has been around for a couple, few years, so mm. it's not even, you can buy it off the shelf. In fact, there's a few companies now manufacturing finished water cooling machines. So you don't have to build it yourself if you don't want to. You can buy it already done. Uh, but once you get all those parts hooked together, then it's just uh, the, the personally rewarding experience of pouring water into your computer and burping the lines, <laughs> and then that, that's that. How reliable is it, though? I mean, how often is your PC going to wet itself? Because well, that's what I'd be worried about. I've got one machine, which was, uh, is a dual processor P3, an old workstation machine that I water, it's been water-cooled for over a year now. And uh, about six months in, I ripped the cover off just to see how it was doing, and there wasn't a single problem with it. It was perfectly content, so I, I buttoned it back up again. The current generation machines I'm fighting with, which are the ones that are mentioned on the blog and stuff, are uh, 800 megahertz front-side bus machines, hyper-thread machines, and they're a little crankier. Um, the problem is that one of the side effects of water cooling is you move down the amount of airflow through the case. And yeah. uh, I'm having my RAM chips overheat right now, and there's no RAM cooling blocks. So I've got to come up with a solution to cool Now, is this only down. a problem with the 800 megahertz? Yeah, that's all my 533 machines have been just fine. Well, your RAM's running at what, 333 on your 533 machines as opposed to 400, 400, right? yeah. yeah, and that's the big difference. Do you and have it, heat spreaders on your chips? No, I don't. And that's, I've just ordered a set of uh, copper ones trying to take those down. Plus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add another low-velocity fan. You know, 1,200 RPM fans, you can't hear them anyway. Well, how big, how big of a radiator are you using on this machine? The radiator on the, all, all the, every radiator I've used so far, and I use all Innovatech gear, mm-hmm. um, the radiators are they're about 120 millimeters. They fit a 120 millimeter fan wow. perfectly. That's actually surprisingly small, and that actually, that's effective at that small of a, a size? With a with a, a low-velocity fan strap to it. Wow. You know, something like a Vantech Stealth, you can uh, put that fan on. It's turning about 1,200 RPM, and you can't hear it, and it's, that's enough to keep the temperature steady at 40 degrees Celsius. Hmm. This, now, this reminds me of when of when I was younger and we used to beef our cars up, you know? It's exactly oh, the it's same. It's totally idea. like that. Yeah, you know what that's got? It's got a three-quarter inch chromoverse muffler bearing on that sucker right there. You know what I mean? <laughs> like we, always, uh, <laughs> we always had the big, huge, long, complicated everything. That's really cool, though. And, and, and when you're talking about this stuff, the thing that I kind of wonder about is, do you see this ever moving out of, like, the hobbyist area and, you know, getting shipped, say, on a Dell to my house or something? Well, or are they going to have to do this or something like this? I think we're getting there. When you see Alienware and uh, Voodoo, who else? Voodoo. They're yeah. both shipping machines now. I'm granted they're top end gaming machines that are water cooled yeah. right out of the box, so you don't have to do a thing with it. Except and, fork uh, over the big cash. So you could imagine. I mean, Dell is a sort of commodity builders. If this keeps going the way it's going. Yeah, you're going to start seeing machines this way. The bottom line is, water is a far better cooling mechanism than air is. What about the price? What if you what if you have a PC now and you want to retrofit water cooling into it? What what are we talking? You're talking several hundred dollars. 
Several? You know, seven, yeah, eight? Like five, maybe five. Six. Depends on how nuts you go and what kind of radiator you use and so forth and so on. Hmm. There are some less expensive course, kits I've seen, but they're, you know, it's it's a lot more work. There's a lot more cutting of hoses. Yeah. And they're they have some du- some some dubious quality uh connectors in between various components. Huh. And that's that's always the trade-off, isn't it? Cuz when you're dealing with hobbyists, you're dealing with especially hobbyist geeks, you're dealing with notoriously cheap people. And so, yeah, look, I can cut the bottom off this pop bottle, and here's right. this copper pipe I found out of this abandoned house. And when I glue the whole thing together. It's going to be you know, like this old computer, right? You know, Norm Abram. Hey, no, we took this bender hose. Steve from the chat room says, Sony Vio introduced the la- this last week in its new system. So are we talking about laptops? Oh, wow. Well, Vi- they make a Vio line that's a regular desktop. I, had, uh, okay. I didn't All right. see that. I haven't seen that one, which you know is always disturbing to a geek boy like me. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to know about the hardware first. Yeah, I've actually heard some chatter, and there was something in the chat room too um, about about the new G4, the new uh, sorry, the new dual G5 system being water cooled. And I don't know if that's like a custom thing or if that's actually, yeah. Um, my friend Will actually just popped into the room, and he's saying the Apple G5 desktop has crazy water cooling. So it looks hmm. like there is there are now two major computer manufacturers who there are doing wow. this. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, so we're we're, we're so just Richard, getting there. You, you, you mentioned a five hundred dollar upgrade cost now. I've got, say, like a Pentium, I've got a Pentium 1 for desktop sitting next to me, and the thing's kind of aging, and, and I just kind of look at it, I don't really do it, do anything with it. Um, now, that $500, am I going to get $500 worth of performance out of it if I can cool it to the point that I can overclock it like crazy? Not a chance. Is it, it, really I don't think that you're going to get that much muscle power out of the machine. You'd be better off buying a new motherboard yeah. or a processor for that money, right? Um, okay. And, he, and we, we're talking about, about two yeah. different things here: overclocking and water cooling. You know, don't necessarily go hand in hand. I'm not overclocking my gear. I'm after water cooling for oh, okay. quiet, not for performance. And that's exactly why I would go after it yeah. too. Hmm. That's the most water cooling that you see is about performance. Um, but I think that the, the the quiet PC movement is getting significant, and people mm. are are interested in how do I get rid of this bloody noisy box? Now you don't have bubblers well, you get, bubbling like you could just get some earmuffs or something. <laughs> Your room doesn't sound like a fish tank, then? Well, mine does because I have to have a fish tank in it. Oh well, okay. That's another <laughs> issue. And so far, I've resisted <laughs> keeping awesome. it from being connected to my PCs. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've. I've uh, I have a lot of workstations in here. I, I use three myself, and my wife's got a pair as well. And and if you had them all humming with uh, with high velocity fans, you couldn't hear a thing in here. Mm, yeah, I have two. Uh, I have two desktops in my computer. One sitting as a 500 megahertz Pentium three sitting as a Linux server, and I've got you know five hard drives in my machines. And so it's getting toasty. There are a good number of fans. Um, and my room's yeah difficult to sleep in at night. Now, what are you doing for hard drive cooling? Is this something that that well, you can there handle? are blocks that'll strap onto a three and a half inch hard drive to fill a five and a quarter bay, and oh. uh, and that works rather nicely. But you know, you bring up another interesting issue, which is heat. We're not getting rid of any heat here, right? It's the same amount of heat the machine's generating. It's just not generating it quite so noisily anymore. So I still have heat problems in this office because uh, I have, oh I get it in you the know office. What I mean? It's the net amount. The net amount of heat is the same. In fact, the net amount of heat is higher because the pumps generate heat. Right. So uh, in terms of dispersing heat in my office, that's a separate issue from keeping, you know, making the heat quietly versus loudly. But the difference is, well, the thing is, is that at least your machines are cooler. Aren't your machines cooler, water-cooled, than they are with fans? Yeah, they tend to be. Like I said, I I rarely get above 40 degrees Celsius in the uh, the water loop. As opposed to what with a fan? Uh, Well, in... 
depends on where you measure it. Of course, the processor's hotter. It can right. be 50, 60 degrees. Yeah. And, uh, and, but in the inside of a case can get up to 40 easy. Mm. So, that, sounds, you know, yeah. that sounds about what my system's at, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you're still dealing with the same issues in terms of, of the amount of heat you've got to deal with. And, uh, and that doesn't go away. And the only way I could change that is if I was to be a you know, complete nutball and put uh, water cooling throughout the house. So I had little nipples sticking out of my wall that you could plug your machine into, like electricity. And then the, that would be cooled water from somewhere else. You know, I actually read um, an article online somewhere. It's funny you should mention that, um, where this guy ran a whole bunch of copper tubing um, in his garage against the cement floor and had it, you know, held down by, I don't remember, he had, he had shelving in there or something. And he had like, you know, 25 feet of copper tubing in there and the pump for the, you know, the main pump in there and then ran it through the wall into his workstation. So I don't, I, he probably had a pump in there as well, but I don't know if he even had a pump in there and his computer ran, you know, at the temperature of the, the, the cement floor in his, uh, in his house. In his wow. garage. Yeah, that's right. Renovations for the purposes of cooling computers. That's uh, that's hitting high. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> but you know, hey, you could probably overclock that system. Mm. Yeah, it's well, uh, and that's the other issue: is do you want to overclock? Do you, do you are you that interested? Just like te- teasing up the performance of a of a car, you know, you're taking some chances mm-hmm. with the reliability of the gear. You're going to shorten the life of the engine in exchange for uh, getting a little more performance and being a little showier. What about other uh, household appliances like your TiVo? Should can, I water cool my TiVo? Can you do that? I suppose I could, but it, you know that is a question of how much room I've got Put in, in the bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Okay, that's a good idea, Rory. <laughs> you know, TiVo is a real challenge up in Canada. We don't get guide data here. Oh, ah. oh, that's horrible. Life is hard. I've been spending a lot of time hacking up TiVos to be able to get Canadian guide data. Is there any other way besides? water that people are innovatively cooling their systems well the other gizmo that i've seen I, i've yet to buy is uh one of the zalman tn 5500k or 550 cases i don't know if you've ever seen this thing it's new on the market it's a 1200 dollar case oh jeez! but the reason is the whole case is a heat sink huh. and it's got a power supply in it that has no fans it's heat sunk against the case and it uses all heat pipe technology to transfer heat out of the processor and the video card and so forth, so that you literally, Ooh. literally have zero fans in the entire case. I mean, none. So the machine should make no noise at all. But, hmm. you know, nice Hard $1,200 dollar premium. Dude says on the chat line, Hey, Rory, here's a funny thought. Maybe one can have a coffee machine from the circulated hot water from the CPU. <laughs> <laughs> Geek Cafe Mocha or Geek Espresso coming right up. You know, That's the Novatech guys I mean, actually make a coffee cup warmer. Who's this? Can, this is the Novatech, the guys who make all the water cooling gear. They make a coffee cup warmer that you hook up to your PC. Hmm. So you can use the temperature of your CPU to keep your coffee warm. Wow. It's like, gee, my coffee's getting cold. I should run a SETI at home work unit. <laughs> I, re- I remember my question. I remember my question. Okay. I remembered. Okay, and I'm really excited about that. Okay. The question isn't very good, but I'm just really happy that I remembered. In fact, I have two questions. I added one after I remembered the one. So my first question is, um, and this is not the one I remembered. This is a different one. My first question is, why don't you use antifreeze? Uh, In response to the question that you didn't remember, because it would burn holes Mm -hmm. in my computer. Mm. Ah, well, that's a good reason. Now, the second question is, uh, you mentioned that it would really shorten the life of the PC if we were overclocking it. Now, a lot of people tend to just buy PCs and then 
throw them away after a few weeks as though they were totally disposable, you know? And I'm thinking that if that really is the case, then how short a lifespan should I expect from an overclocked PC? And of course, I know it depends on the level of overclocking, but... And really, overclocking doesn't shorten the lifespan of the machine. What it really does is shorten the reliability. So yeah. you start getting a lot more, you know, the, how did I to tell that my RAM was overheating in my machines? Well, because it was spontaneously blue screen once in a while. You know, there was, it, <laughs> right, okay. you know, it's not like a big sign pops out of my machine that says, your RAM is too hot. Yeah. Right? It doesn't do that. It <laughs> doesn't work properly. Yeah. Huh. So that, you know, the consequences yeah, of overclocking okay. is flakiness. Yeah, I've, uh, <clears throat> I was reading about an interesting thing called, uh, it's electron erosion, which is, you know, one of the things that happens to processors over their lives is, you know, just lots and lots of electricity just uh, coursing through them constantly. And if you, one of the things that a lot of people have to do when they overclock their system is they increase the CPU core voltage. So besides the fact that your CPU is generating more heat, uh, your CPU is also, you know, you there's a bigger voltage differential. The current probably increases as well. I don't know. So there's probably, there's just more electron erosion and because everything's warmer, everything's a little softer. And so, you know, your CPUs do last a little shorter. I have damaged CPUs from overclocking them. I had a, uh, I had a Celeron 300A that I was running at five something for a while. And that was a notoriously overclockable chip, but it doesn't run very reliably anymore. Now you have to run it about 233 for it to be stable. So, you know, you can shorten the life of your system, but, you know, short-term reliability too. Well, you got to ask yourself, why do you want to overclock? Well, back then when you could get a Celeron 300 for, you know, 75 bucks and run it at 450 and they were stable, that was cool. But these days, you know, I think that the overclocking people are like the, it seems to me like they're like the car performance people that aren't you know, racing their cars. Mm. They just want a little more power. There, there is a good reason to overclock. There's there's one good reason to overclock, and it's that it seems to me that a lot, I mean, only if you're into games, right? If you're into games, a lot of game companies typically designed for, like, next month's hardware. You know, they'll bring the stuff out, and it'll be set up so that if you're running on top-of-the-line machines today, you can run with most of the features, you know, set near to maximum, at least set to high. But you probably won't be able to set them to maximum for another month or two, you know, waiting for, like, the next generation of hardware to come out. So... I'm, it seems to me that at least for gaming, there might be a lot of reasons to overclock if you really want to get the 100% full experience out of any given game. Hmm. Yeah, guys are always in pursuit. You know, this is all about first-person shooter games, right? Yeah. The Quake and Unreal oh, yeah. Tournament mm-hmm. stuff. It's all about frame rate. Yeah. You know, can I get that yep. 60 frame rate and be able to pick that guy off from 500 yards with my lightning gun? <laughs> but that's not what it's about. It's about can I get 300 frames per second just so I can take a screenshot and show it to all my friends. And say, look, they, I had they, 300 some, frames some per just, second. Yeah. I rock and you suck. <laughs> right. yeah. That's what it's about. <laughs> yeah, it's the chest beating. It's, it's, it's the baboons hitting trees. It's, it's the, the status habit, symbol so. among geeks. Yeah. Richard, yeah, what really was that? I went to this website uh, before you showed me that had this, these people who were making uh, a PC with a clear case. And oh, green neon lights, and what was that? The modders. Yeah, the modders. Yeah, you got the overclockers, the and you got the modders. The what's, mod- the, what's the URL to that, so I can check uh, it out? Oh, which one? That was the BitTech guys, right? Yes. Uh, bit-tech.com. And, yeah, they, they're sort of, you know, this, again, comes from the first-person shooter games, right? The first-person shooter guys all want to get together for their LAN parties, so you get you know, 25, 30 geeks in a room. Bit, they each drag their own machine and they network them together. Bit-tech.com is a drill bit company. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> 
These guys sound like opposing gangs, the modders and the and the overclockers. Well, you know, I think that that's, like they should be fighting. That's a common thing. Like they're in um in the in the car scene. You know, they're the people who put the spoilers on their car, and then they're the people who put the turbochargers on their car. And very often, they're I not the same people. Say, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. You can there, say there's it. the ones who make their cars look and sound fast. Um, and then there's people who actually do make their cars fast, and they look like crap, you know, going down the street with nothing but, you know, primer on the outside. And, <laughs> and uh, It's bittech.net, by the bittech. way. Bittech.net, right. Bittech.net. And, uh, yeah, well, they have they this. At least go to a horse sex page or something. I mean, there's a, if you go to bittech.net, there's a thing called ORAC3 on the right-hand side. You'll see a little green on the right-hand side of the page, and uh, I'll post a link to the article. So that you can see it. You know, I have to say, while you guys were uh, while you guys were chatting, and I was, uh, I was, I went to Zalman's website to look at this totally no noise computer case for twelve hundred dollars. It's really spectacular. It's awesome, isn't it? I'm, I this thing has amazing geek sex appeal. I'm actually, I'm, I'm a little bit upset that I've seen this thing because <laughs> now I really want one, and it's a twelve hundred dollar computer case. I mean, that's got to be the most ridiculous thing ever, but it's really amazing. I mean, this is a Marvel of engineering, you know, yes. wow. it's really amazing. You should hmm. Zalman Z A L M A N dot co dot U K is a way to get to this uh, to this to this well, site or quietpc.com. It's, it's twelve hundred dollars, and there's not even a computer inside there's it. There's no is computer there? in it. That's no, right. but just it's the case of power beautiful. Just a case. Huh. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at this ORAC <laughs> thing, which is freaking awesome. www.bit-tech.net/slash/article/slash/one-thirty-five, in which this guy. <laughs> Put together this PC with a clear plexiglass case, and modded even every single rivet. Uh, everything's chrome. Everything's chrome. All the tubes, uh, all the wiring has been tubed. So there's like hose inside where there's wires going. Oh wow, he's using completely water cooled cabling stuff. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. He's, I, he's, he's put I, green food coloring in the water, right? So he actually put antifreeze in the lines. So that's why it's green. Oh, oh okay. I'm oh, so he did him. use antifreeze. Yeah, he shouldn't right. have, but he w- he did. But he he must have used oh. some hoses that will take it though. Well, hopefully, I'm more concerned well, about the top. It really log. cool. Oh my god! Ooh, Isn't that yeah. amazing? It, um, a friend I of mine said, one. you know, it looks wow. like the Borg encountered a uh, Matrix Sentinel. Yeah. And somebody stuffed <laughs> it in a plexiglass case. <laughs> it is actually is kind of a very spectacular like. case. I've seen a lot one. of case well, mods, he, but this is pretty This is pretty good. You understand this guy's skills are not computer related, right? He's right. a metalsmith and a plexiglass smith and an artist. Yeah. yeah. He's a Absolutely. remarkably talented guy, but it's, it, it's, it's a long way removed from mere mortal geeks. Serious. <laughs> patient, too. He's got to be pretty patient. Oh, it's his oh yeah. I go crazy. He said, uh, you know, attention to detail was his mantra. Yeah. And he uh-huh. chromed everything. Yeah. He chromed the power supply case. He chromed the <laughs> yeah. pump case. He chromed the, the hard drive trays. You know, everything There's is There's medication that can help people like this, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's more oh, like he's taken awesome. his obsessive compulsive disorder and harnessed it for the powers of good. That's exactly what I was thinking. Zoloft would actually work in wonders, but, okay. but uh, I was thinking maybe you should no, go on a major impressive. tranquilizer. But you know, <laughs> I was well, thinking of so, so. I was thinking of inviting him to dinner with his bring bring your PC, man. He's an Australian too. I'll fly him over. Yeah, that'd be great, Carl. You invite him to dinner. Don't even talk to him. Just talk to the PC. Yeah, I'll just talk to the really PC after anyway. No? Right. So, Richard. Um, you're obviously like a bit of a hardware geek. Could you explain something to me that I've been wondering about all week and I've been too lazy to research myself? I want to know what this extreme something or other version of the P4 is. 
It's are, a, are you familiar with this? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. The, it's the grossly overpriced version of the P4, that one. It's the one where, yeah, if you buy the next one down, it's like $700 less. Yeah. It's uh, They doubled the cache size, and they made it a synchronous cache. So you're paying for a whole mess of L1 RAM in the processor. So it's kind of like buying a Xeon. Basically, yeah. It's the equivalent of a Xeon in the P4 chip. Oh. Now, there's also a Xenon P4 chip, right? But it's different again. Yeah. But it's, well, it's just not the, cache, the cache right? in it is monstrous. Does it make much of a difference? Yeah, maybe 10%. Uh, yeah, the Xeons okay. are hyper-threading, Roy. Yeah, they, they actually, are. They were hyper-threading before the desktop okay. chips. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I just made something up right there, okay? I mean, I admit it. I lied. <laughs> actually, can I can I I'm bring a up a, a brief topic here? Is that Sure. All right. I'd like it if you uh, did. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm curious if any of you guys have heard of or researched or had any mini ITX systems. Yeah, um, I've, I've built ITX. a couple for other people. Really? Yeah. Um, these are this is a, a small form factor motherboard. Um, then there's the uh, Via makes most of them, but there are some other mini ITX things. And the cool thing about some of these things, I was actually just checking out recently, www.mini-itx.com, which is just a, a cool uh, mini ITX uh, blog, I guess. Um, and recently, Slashdot, um, of course, Slashdot.org um, had a, a post about a mini ITX system that just came out. That's low profile. And uh, the cool thing is it's a 1 gigahertz um, system. It uses a VIA Eden chip, which isn't a very fast CPU. It's probably about as fast as like an 800 megahertz Pentium 3. But it's good enough for a workstation, and it has no fans. Um, it doesn't have a CPU fan because it's a low voltage um, and low wattage chip. Um, and it's cool because it's small form factor, and it's very quiet. And, you know, for a lot of things like our audio workstations and, you know, our development machines and whatnot, we obviously, we need this power. You couldn't... You know, we couldn't run .NET Rocks off of off of you know one gigahertz uh, EPS systems, but you know, in a recording studio, you could run, you could record some tracks on a one gigahertz machine, and this is a fanless system, so you have to deal with there. You know, mm. besides having, you know, you probably need to have some case cooling just to keep the air moving. Mm. Um, here we go, Mobo for vertically challenged devices, and the URL is really long, so I, I can't really. Well, well, we'll just put a link to it. Yeah, we'll put a yeah. link to it. Um. And it looks like it's only a couple of inches tall, but there's they make a model with with no CPU fan. That well, just, like, that just the blows aim of those mind. things seems to be mostly for the home theater PC or the or the you know the exactly. computer attached to your television. Yeah, yeah, and that's a room that, that you really don't sense. want to have a, a in the background all the time. Yeah, right. and so, so they, they, their solution to that, a they have no room in the case anyway. Yeah, but uh, they their solution to that is to gear down the processor, go a little lightweight gear, so that you don't need the cooling for it. So Richard, I have a question for you. Now, do these do these water cooling does this water cooling hardware work with rack mount systems? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, you know, I, all my gear is rack mounted. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a rack mount nut. I have a server closet in my house because you know okay. every, everybody should have one. And uh, <laughs> and uh, what I've done with my desks when I had them built is I had little boxes made under the desk that uh, that have racks in them. So these racks slide out on rails, and you can rotate them to uh, to make adjustments to them. And uh, you you plug this the uh, the machines are all rack mounted and slide in and out, and that's all the water cooled machines. Wow. Hmm. So so where does the water f- thing go? Does it go in the unit itself? Well, all the water cooling gear is inside the case. So the reservoir and everything is inside the case. That's right. So it's completely self contained. Yeah, but I needed a four U case to make that work. Right. Hmm. Yeah. 
And how many of these, how many machines did you say you had in a rack? Uh, the, the, uh, the server racks got quite a few, but the, uh, the workstation base just have a pair each. Well, let me talk about your server rack. How many are in there? Eight. They're not water-cooled, though, because they're in oh. a soundproof closet. I don't need to water-cool them. Oh, okay. Well, I'm talking about the room where you have your water-cooled PCs. Yeah, those, so in the office, there's, there's four water-cooled machines. All right, and you hear no noise? Well, yeah, no noise from the PCs. From the PCs. Yeah, they're, uh, like I said, all low-velocity fans, so the fans that are in them are, are turning under uh, 1,500 RPM, so they, they just make any noise. So you're a sound engineer. Can you put that in dB for me? <sighs> no, I don't think I could, not accurately. Mm. I can do it. 50. <laughs> <laughs> That's not that quiet. Jeff, Jeff, have you ever heard a water-cooled <laughs> PC? Um, no, I actually, I haven't heard a water-cooled PC. I came about, I came very close to building a really, really cheap one, but then I decided that I would just buy more hard drives. I'm up to 730 gigs now. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. What are Congratulations. you on all those systems, yeah, really. Jeff? Um, all... Uh, pirate stuff. No, of course not. It's I don't porn. I don't know. <laughs> porn. Yeah, actually, I porn just collection. I record twenty four tracks as twenty four ninety six audio in like in different parts of my house. I'm spying on everybody. <laughs> it's just always rolling. You never erase chat. it. <laughs> well, I just don't so delete can I ask anything. You, can I ask you a question, Richard? Again, sure. I mean, if I may. Yeah. Us being the interviewers and you being the guest is yeah. appropriate. <laughs> I was thinking. Um, could you possibly explain to me? What in the hell hyperthreading is? I mean, I kind of get it, but then I kind of don't because every time I ask about it, somebody says, "Oh, it's sort of like having two CPUs," but then it's not because it's not as good. Yeah, it actually kind of sucks. Second CPU is kind of crippled. Basically, oh, okay. the inside of your processor, the in, inside of all Intel processors, is this thing called the pipeline, and it's basically the, this this way that microcode, the internal code, is executed in a series of steps, and. Uh, Intel engineers, in their infinite wisdom, created a second pipeline. It's, it's not complete. It doesn't have everything in it, but it was a recognition that there's, there's some things that can run simultaneously. And uh, okay. so they created this split pipeline, and uh, you basically create this concept of a logical second processor. There's some tasks that have to run on the primary process. Uh, pipeline. They can't run on the secondary. So the, the processor assesses what it can transfer one way or the other. And once in a while, you'll get a big bonk uh, with software that doesn't understand hyperthreading. But huh. what's happening now is we're seeing more and more code that understands that, oh, we've got a hyperthreaded processor here. So here's some things that can go to the secondary, and this is stuff that will run on the primary. Um, but it, it all still actually runs in the one CPU. Yeah, there's only one CPU in the case. So, so it's almost like having a freeway on-ramp. Uh, yeah. For a second set of instructions, or that's actually I like that metaphor. Uh, it's a freeway on wrap to your processor. That's just very spooky. What do you, what How do about you another land? Canada? Maybe we're having a language barrier problem here. Maybe a different because land. I don't want to believe right now that my analogy wasn't good enough. Your yeah, analogy it, was very good, Rory. <laughs> but it could have been incorrect, Jeff. <laughs> but it was a good analogy anyway. It's a freeway uh, on ramp that adds another lane to the highway. Oh. Okay. Well, that's a good idea. Sort of. Like that. An on ramp on to the other front lane, I something like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, but now, as as a developer, for example, I like to run VPC pretty much all the time, and it'd be really nice if I could run VPC on on my machine and still do all my development on that machine as well. So I could just have one machine, have two monitors coming out of it, and just do everything right there. Now. Is hyperthreading going to help me in that situation? Yeah, hyperthreading will definitely help you with that situation. But uh, right. be aware that VPC's performance is more dependent on whether or not the VPC session has focus. 
Uh, it, it, oh, okay. you know, it, its thread priority drops as soon as you put it in the background, so things start running a lot slower. Mm. And when it comes to making VPC run fast, while processing time helps, uh, mm -hmm. fast hard drives make the bigger difference. Yeah, I moved I moved my VPC to uh, an external FireWire drive, and yeah. performance just went through the roof compared yep. to when it was on the local hard drive. So. Yeah, that, that definitely makes a big difference. Here's a good question from a listener. Does hyper-threading have anything to do with a multi-threaded application, or are these two different things? Hmm. Well, uh, they're two different things, but of course, we're sort of talking about the same concept. Yeah, because definitely a hyper-threaded or multi-threaded application would take advantage of the hyper-threaded processor. Yes. Can you, this is a question actually that came up uh, by a person in, in a class that I was teaching. Can you uh, assign or assign a particular thread to run on a particular processor? Not that I know of, but that's, you know, now you're getting into the, the whole HAL, the HAL hardware extraction layer, as to right. what you're allowed to control and what you aren't allowed to control. Yeah. I've seen an app that does it. It wasn't a VBNet app or anything. This was like, this was a, I don't know. It was it was I guess MFC stuff. It was a, some sort of C plus plus app. It was a um, it was actually a Macintosh emulator that would allow you in the configuration. Actually, it was a downloaded program. program I ran. The no, other it day. was uh, it was it was <laughs> what's the name of it? It was oh man, it was whatever the Mac emulator is that's. Nope, based come to on think of UAE. it, I was dreaming. Uh, yeah, I was dreaming, and uh, <laughs> actually, whatever I've Mac emulator. It. There's like more than one Mac emulator. Yeah, there's a bunch of Mac emulators. It's the one that's based on UAE, really? which is the Universal Amiga emulator. Um, the the Amiga. Yeah, I use I use that for. Amiga, but yeah. UAE, you've used UAE. Yeah. Oh well, there's a Mac emulator yeah, based with, on UAE. With an Amiga ROM. Yeah. What do you do that for? You oh, just okay. miss the bouncing ball demo. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking to no, an Amiga actually, user the over thing there. That, what's going on actually is uh, when I was a lot younger, I grew up with an IBM PC CGA four colors, and whenever I got a game, I looked at the back, and they had the screenshots from the Atari ST and the Amiga, and I always expected it to look like that on my machine, and it didn't. Okay, because the Amiga and the Atari ST weren't total pieces of crap, and they had just glorious graphics. And the IBM PC, I go back home and I've got cyan, I've got magenta, I've got white, and I've got black at yeah, low resolution. Yeah, the graphics are your beep. It's amazing you don't wear glasses, yeah, and, Rory. And, and and I and I knew this and I knew this girl when I was in fourth grade. Her name was Liz, and her family had an Amiga, and she rubbed it in like crazy. And I'm sort of just trying to you know, live a happy childhood a second time around, you know, by running Amiga games on my uh, Windows machine. It's just a very deeply, deeply rooted psychological problem of mine <laughs> that goes back to that stupid girl who wouldn't stop rubbing it in about the Amiga her rich family owned. What was her name? Let's embarrass yeah, her. Yeah, so that's what it's for. Liz. I don't remember her last name. Her name was Liz. Hey, Brian Randall sent yeah. me an IM and he says, you can set processor affinity so apparently there's some hmm, API call affinity. that'll allow you to stick it to a processor. But it's no guarantee, I don't think, is well, it? Well, who knows, yeah. right? Affinity, affinity means it, it's an affinity for a particular process. You probably wouldn't want to have it guaranteed and, that it sticks on one And that's CPU, what I'm though. thinking, too. I mean, that's what the operating system does. It decides. Yeah, that's, let, it, let the thing do its job. Right. Although there might be cases where you'd want to be able to tell the operating system, hey, these, these two threads should be on separate physical CPUs. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, just letting it, it stack them after each other. Hmm. With audio processing, it would probably be really useful to be able to do that. Absolutely. You know, say definitely, like, if I'm encoding in a particular, you know, format, then definitely do this on the second CPU and free up the first one to do everything else. So I don't well, but you can jitters. still have different threads within the same application, and the CPU can handle it if it has to. And if there's another processor, it can offload it. But the thing is, is that the OS is in the best position to make that determination. 
of when yeah the OS is sitting at a larger level able to see you know more important things going on than just your silly program file I O. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is going to get really more confusing because people are, you know, trying to figure out hyperthreading now where you've got one chip, you plug it in your computer, and it says you have two CPUs. I read an article that Intel's actually uh, designing a new chip based on their Pentium M, which is like the Centrino thing, that's actually going to have two cores yeah. on the die. Yeah. Which will be hmm. one chip that you plug into your computer that's actually two CPUs. Yeah, it's completely two physical cool. CPUs cast on the same die. That's yeah. going to be wonderful. Well, that Pentium M chip blows my mind in terms of performance. For the two gigahertz version, in a lot of ways, is almost as fast as the three point four gigahertz. Yeah, I, I, was, I read something about the Pentium M that says that a lot of it's you know based on Pentium three architecture, and you know megahertz for megahertz, the Pentium three really was faster than the Pentium four. Absolutely 4. true. Yeah. You know, I have my Pentium three eight hundred downstairs is still a very usable machine, faster than some one point four gigahertz P fours I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, you remember that sunny day in New London when you and I were walking up? Uh, uh, the the captain's walk, whatever it is, you know, the main street there. And we were talking about all this stuff. And we were talking about the Penny MM and whether or not it had a lot of the P4 stuff. It has some um, of it, doesn't it? It does have. Yeah, it does. It has SSC too. And it has, it has the all the other mumbo jumbo. But, it, but, yeah, but it's I'm not about based the on the architecture. Set, though, right? it, or maybe it yeah. is. I don't know. I, I, this, is, this is really bizarre stuff that, you know, I don't think I'll ever really be able to understand. <laughs> yeah, but, but what I will say is that my 1.3 Centrino runs circles around my 1.4 P4. Oh, I bet. There's absolutely no question at all. Yeah. Well, like, guys, that's I, one of the reasons I don't even use my P4 anymore. It's that time. It's uh, the, the midway point during the show when we got to listen to some music and pay some bills and talk about some things, and we'll be back on the other side of the hour. So stick around. Don't go anywhere. Carl here. So I want to tell you a little bit about ActiveReports.net from our old buddies at Data Dynamics. ActiveReports.net is not a uh, server-based, big, honking, enterprise-wide reporting server solution like uh, SQL Server, uh, SQL Server Reporting Services is. Nor does it require a hugely, uh, grossly misapportioned uh, license fee. 
like some other reporting servers do. We're talking about the reports that you're probably most familiar with, where you add a report to your project, you design it, you build it, you run it, and it spits out a PDF or HTML or whatever you like. And it stays with your application. It doesn't uh, require a server somewhere. It's really cool stuff. So do yourself a favor and go up to www.datadynamics.com and grab a uh, demo copy of uh, ActorReports.net. And uh, you can use this in ASP.NET. You can use it in uh, Windows Forms applications. does a great job. And uh, a lot of our guests and regional directors and MVPs swear by it. So you got to check it out, ActorReports.net at www.datadynamics.com.
Blythe, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Great work, Rory. Thank you. It's good stuff. Yeah, he's good. I'd and like to get a second song someday, but um. <laughs> well, get off right. your tail and record it. Yeah, yeah, I know. I got, I got to do the recording stuff. That's the hardest part, though. Writing a song is easy. Recording it, I don't think people realize what goes into that. For three minutes, you spend like days. Yeah, it's so, true. Yeah. At least I do. That that's song that's bef- what broke me of being a, a sound guy was uh, a 45-hour recording session for a five-minute track. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, after I'd moved oh, the, the flat-form depth mics for like the 60th time, I'm like, all right, I'm out of here. The, the song <laughs> before that was Mr. Running Light, which was off of Strange, Commu- Strange Communication by my brother Jay and I. So a couple of good songs there. We're going to be doing some more of that later on, too. Rory, you know, you should just should take a week off and come back to New London just to record. Just to record a tune. I haven't had a week on, actually. So <laughs> <laughs> um, eventually, I might do that. I've got to get some cash, but yeah, I'm, I'm working on that. Let's get back to our real serious discussion that we were having here about uh, hardware. What the heck were we talking about? Were we still on the Pentium 4 versus Pentium M thing, or had we moved past that? <laughs> oh man, I, I think I think that was about where we were. I was just yeah, talking about way from water my, cooling. my yeah about how much my Centron kicks or, or Centrino kicks ass, and uh, I think then we went to commercial break. Okay, well, so my Centrino really kicks ass. Does your Centrino kick ass, Rory? It really just kicks some butt, man. Right up until <laughs> the part where it bursts it's into awesome. flames. <laughs> well, that's do because it's that? not water cooled yet. <laughs> You know, these guys don't make any noise, though. They're not water-cooled. They're just nice little quiet computers. i got a couple of Centrinos in front of me right now. Well, I, I've got a question for nice. you. Uh, i got a question for you, Richard. What CPU is in the system that you're water-cooling? Well, depends on which machine you're talking about. i got a couple of uh, P31 gigs that are water-cooled, mm. and i got a, a P4 2.8 with a 533, and that one's no trouble. And i got a pair of matching uh, P4 3.4s with 800s. Who were happily named Terrence and Philip, <laughs> and they're the ones who are causing me all my grief because they're like I said. I think the RAM is what's melting down, and mm. so now, I've do you think to, you'll be able to fix that? You think, or should people stay away from 800 megahertz front side bus computers? Well, if, if you're going it's probably for cooling, just Canadian RAM, yeah, maybe that's it. <laughs> hey, what's that a boot? 
The exchange rate is what's getting you bad. Yeah, right. it's uh, it's so you know if you're gonna if you're gonna water cool for overclock, well then you got lots of fans. It's not a problem. But I think what I've done to get rid of the noise with all the fan reduction, there's virtually no air movement through the case, and that's why the process, the uh, yeah. the ram chips are overheating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so putting clamping the big uh, ram coolers onto that thing, and plus I'm going to add another low velocity fan at the back of the case to try and draw the air through, and right. uh, hopefully that'll do it. I got another one for you. Have you looked at BTX cases at all? Or not, I mean, looked at the BTX spec. I guess there aren't an awful lot of BTX Yeah, there are just no cases out there yet. Uh, And I understand where they're coming from because, you know, we really need our computers to be larger. You know, uh, (laughs) I don't don't see the need for yet another case design. Well, the only thing that I like about the BTX design... is that it? And I'm trying to remember. I don't. I don't have a sheet up in front of me. But it looks like the way it's designed is they've moved. They've they've changed the way the air path through the case is, um, so that if you have a fan in the front of the system, it draws the air like across your RAM, then across your CPU, then through your interface cards or something, as opposed to having your RAM sort of you know above your above your CPU and your hard drive sort of in front of your CPU and just everything sort of in in weird spots. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's it's been a while since I've looked at the spec. I was just wondering if you you know foresee the ability to move your water cooling system to a new case form factor, or if it's just going to be a whole bunch of buying more equipment. Well, I, I'll tell you the story of the first time I tried to take a water cooling system back out of a case. Ah. Um, you know the the one of the challenges is well, as soon as you breach the water loop, you know you assembled this thing dry. And then you pour the, the, I use a mixture of distilled water and isopropanol and pour it into the reservoir. So it's all very neat and tidy. You never get any water anywhere. But getting water out is not quite as simple as getting it in. Yeah. And, and understand that all of those nice sliding features in a case, like being able to pull a drive out, that kind of thing, well, when you hook up water hoses to it all, that kind of limits your ability to do any of those things. Because you're, you don't want a lot of slack in your water hose or it'll pinch. And if it pinches, then it doesn't flow properly and that causes other problems. <laughs> so, you know, it's almost like building a water cooling machine is sort of a write-only system. Once you assemble it, you really don't want to take it apart. <laughs> so, I uh, well, I had to take one of them apart because it was leaking water out the bottom. So, I, I got the case partly ripped apart and uh, was pretty sure the problem was in the pump. I positioned a piece of paper under it and saw where the drips were coming up. And, you know, taking the pump out means also pulling the reservoir. So I needed to drain the line. So you take sort of the high point of all of the uh, the water lines, and that's the one that'll have air in it. Pop that open and aim it at a, some kind of container. In my case, it was a little yogurt container. Hmm. Uh, you know, good for half a liter of water, which I knew there wasn't that much in it. Now, the tricky part here is you want to fire the pump without powering up the motherboard because you're going to drain all the water out of it. You're going to fry the motherboard if you do this. <laughs> So this little plug I've got that you can unplug your the, the main motherboard plug, and then you plug this little connector in, and that stops the the motherboard won't power up, but it tells the power supply go ahead and power up. The motherboard's happy. It's just a little shorting loop on two of the pins. Huh. Which and, pins? Uh, I want to know. I want to make one of these. Oh, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll give you the plug. It's uh, you can get Innovatech makes them. So I I paid I paid five bucks for mine. Ooh. Ew. Anyway, uh, so that fired over the pump, and that was the point where I discovered I'd unplug the wrong end of the hose. And so my end of the hose had no water coming out of it, and it was shooting water all over the inside of the case. So I turned the pump back off again. That was a very clever trick on my part. And uh, reoriented the hose around, and uh, in my scramble, I'd sort of knock the uh, yogurt 
pot out of reach. So uh, I was trying to hold up the hose with one hand and uh, reach the yogurt pot with the other hand. And so needless to say, Richard, when it goes bad, it really goes bad. Yeah, shoot. I shot water all over my office. And it, you know, <laughs> and it's full of isopropanol, so it smells good, too. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so none of this is easy. And, uh, yeah, servicing them is a pain in the butt. And, and buy yourself a nice large container of silicone because you're going to use it. So would, would you recommend alcohol over water? Well, mine was mostly water, but I put a little bit of alcohol in with it. it was okay. About, uh, four to one. All right. Yeah. That sounds kind of scary, just alcohol coursing through that thing, you know? That would one be scary. One little leak gone wrong, dripping on something that's supposed to be cooling, the whole thing Boom. goes up in flames. And, well, at least it was quiet, though, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that or it goes blind, one or the other. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the photos of the interior of one of your machines here on your website. The leaky one. Actually, um, yeah, and uh, I'm seeing something. How much of this equipment did you actually fabricate from hand by yourself? Any of it? Uh, I mean, no, most of it's bought. I had to hack up the case a bit, drill a few holes and things mm-hmm. to mount everything. There's, you know, most okay. rack server cases don't come with uh, pump mounts, so okay. I had to yeah. innovate that yeah. myself. Yeah. In that particular <laughs> machine, if you're looking yeah. at the picture, there's also I've got a couple of temperature sensors in the water loop, and they're mm-hmm. hooked up to an orbital matrix controller, which then varies the speed of the fan by the temperature Ooh. of the water. You're such a nerd, Trek-y man. Right that's like, that was that's so Star alpha Trek. geek stuff, baby. That's what that's about. I thought the water cooling was, you know, controller commander. The water cooling is approachable uh, from normal human beings, but that's just that's over the top, man. Well, the the orbital matrix board uh, sticks out the front of the case, and it's got a (laughs) two by twenty display on it. So I have a sliding graph showing current load on the processor and uh, current fan velocity based on temperature of the water loop and so forth. Well, before we shift, sick bastard, Richard Campbell. I mean, (laughs) wow, that's like that's way beyond just wanting a quieter system. Before we shift gears, Jeff, uh, I know that this is like a Jeff's in heaven over there, uh, over in the control room, because we're actually talking about something he can understand. Um, Jeff, do you have any last questions before we get off this topic? Because I really want to talk about the flying car. <laughs> well, before, flying before car? we get off the topic, um, last questions, water cooling, antifreeze. You know, we've actually we've covered a lot of ground. We really um, have, yeah. I had one last question. Yeah, like Rory, go ahead. My last question is, what's your last question, Rory? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, I actually really was hoping that um, Richard would be able to talk for a minute about uh, PCI Express. Do you know anything about PCI Express, Richard? You no, like I couldn't tell you a whole lot about that, no. Okay. Well, so much are you, are you, are you that, I'm talking about PCI X. But. Maybe that's what I'm talking about. I don't, I don't know what any of this crap is. I just know there's another version of PCI coming out, and it sounded no. like it was the first nice thing to happen. Oh, yeah, this to, is good. Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah, that's what... Now you know what I don't think I can really go do that thing justice. It's uh, they're they're oh, they're exploring cool. the possibilities of how to improve the performance of the PCI bus because it's it's hit its limits. It can't really go much faster than what it is yeah. right now, and so they're trying to come up with a design that's going to be faster. So that you know the the whole point about breaking backward compatibility on these card slots is so that the new cards will comply with the new standard, and the old cards can be left in the dust. You should just have a fiber optic bus. Yeah, they do. It's called fiber channel. Well, I mean internal. Hmm. You know. Yeah, we need more optical computing time because right. uh, I need lasers bouncing around with my water. <laughs> yeah. Need your alcohol. Yeah. That'd be good. <laughs> yeah. All right, so tell yeah. us about the Skycar. Oh, man, Paul Moeller. You think, you know, the nice thing about the internet is every time I think I'm a complete whack job, I can go online <laughs> and find somebody weirder than me. Right? And I, and I feel a lot better about myself. But Paul, you got to give Paul Moeller credit for one thing. The guy picked an obsession and didn't fool around with it. He just stuck to it. 
So the website, Mahler.com, M-O-L-L-E-R.com, slash Skycar. The guy's trying to build a flying car. And he's not trying anymore. I mean, he's got, a, he's got it. He's only spent 30 years, and he says 10 or $100 million on it over 30 years. How does one do that? Well, I mean, and there's no question. Paul Mueller's a genius. He's simply, an, he's a, he fixated on the idea of building a flying car going back into the 60s. And he actually built a few for the Army. In the 70s, have you ever seen that little flying saucer with the nine engines in it? That's <laughs> yeah. Paul Moeller's work. He oh, did that. Man. And that's that guy. So he wanted to, he has this vision of flying cars. And I mean, nobody who's ever been stuck in traffic has this off flying cars, or yeah, not flying true. cars, at least rocket launchers and one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> so he, and, and, the, and the joke about him is he's always broke because he puts all his money into the car. And he's made fortunes several times over the course of this. So he moves down to California. He's actually a Canadian, or was a Canadian anyway. He moves down to California, and he realizes, I, I can't afford to do this on my own. I need a big space to work in because I'm building a flying car, and that takes room. So he buys a big chunk of land out in the middle of nowhere in California, and he sort of comes up with the first idea of a business park that he puts a bunch of warehouses on it, rents a whole bunch of them out, keeps a couple for himself to do the construction, and he makes some serious cash building business parks, <laughs> takes all that money, puts it into the car. <laughs> right? Now he's broke again. <laughs> so then he's wow. saying, well, you know, the big problem I got now is I don't want to use turbine engines for my flying car. I'm going to use regular gasoline-powered motors, and they're really noisy, so I've got to quiet them down. So he, kind of, he invents a muffler. It's called the Super Trap Muffler. And the big thing with the Super Trap Muffler is it doesn't hurt performance when it runs. So he licenses this thing out to all these motorcycle race guys and so forth, makes millions on this muffler puts all the money in the car. <laughs> He's broke again. So, oh, that's, I mean, that's not incredible. done yet. Comes up, he realizes the motors that he's using are too big for their power and their weight. So he, he basically invents a new variation on the rotary engine, this little Ooh. miniature motor. He creates another company called Freedom Motors, and he's licensing this motor out to guys who make Sea-Doo's and Ski-Doo's and all these things. A little nice miniature, real high-performance motor. Makes millions on the motor. Spends it all in the car. <laughs> so, 30 years in, later. Did he get investors? Oh, he's gotten investors and, and, and burned up all that money. I mean, he's never been able to, I mean, he hasn't got a product. Right. You know, you need a product if you really want investment. And, and everybody's like, yeah, dude, love the flying car idea. Call <laughs> us when it works. <laughs> so, you know, fast forward to 2004. The guy built a flying car. It's called the M400. What year did it actually get built in? It's, he's, been, he's been building this particular variation for the past couple of years. But the big thing that's happened now is that he's got one together. It actually flies. You can watch a video of it taking off and, fly, and hovering on a tether. And we're talking, like, this is a car. It's car-sized. It it's a four-seater, no trunk. But, hey, if you're going to go get groceries, get a Civic. <laughs> and, <laughs> and really, this one, is for uh, traveling from city to city without Well, I, I even see people commuting with it, right? I mean, that's his vision is that you'll be able to commute with this thing. But he, he and you know, first step was actually building a car. Then we can deal with the hard stuff like having fifty thousand of them flying around a city. Right. So he's, he's in FAA testing. People behind the wheel. What's that? With extraordinarily stupid people behind the wheel. Oh too. yes, commuters. Party on. <laughs> so wow, there's actually a video of him flying around above the trees and like a little UFO. I just astounded the guy didn't kill himself in all these years. 
Hmm. Building these goofy machines that are trying to fly. You know what I'm astounded by? I just went to his website and it says the thing gets 20 miles to the gallon. That's better than most SUVs. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's got these little. He's got these little. It, I mean, the car's well built. It's got four pods that it flies on that rotate. Each one's got two engines in it, so any engine can quit. The car will keep flying. And then it's got this little oh. rocket launched parachute thing. So if you're really into trouble, just pull a big handle and you'll float to Earth. Hmm. Uh, but right now, I mean, he's an FAA certification. So he says in the next two years, he's going to be certified. So you can put your order in right now. And if you want one of the first 100 units, it's a mere $1 million. Wow. And, uh, the, you know, he's planning on building 500 of them. And a lot of people are saying, well, that's as many as he'll ever build. But you need a helicopter pilot flies and to fly the thing. But they probably point. told him it would never fly, and now it's flying. So. Well, yeah, they've been telling him this is impossible for a long, long time. And, you know, the guy's you know, spent all, everything he's got on it. I think he's burned through a couple of marriages along the way. I'm sure, yeah. You know, he, he's it just, does look he's, a little dangerous. He's a little on the upset you know? side. Well, I'm looking at this thing, and it looks a little wee bit on the unsafe uh well, yeah, no shit. Yeah. I mean, hey, I'm sitting in a plexiglass can. <laughs> a wee bit on the unsafe side. It's a freaking, it's an airplane with no wings, man. It's like. That's exactly what I was yeah. thinking. It's like an airplane if you took the wings off and everything else that makes an airplane look safe. And if you get rid of the pilot who knows what he's or she is doing. So, And it'll do 300 miles an hour, which is, you know, a real plus at about a couple hundred feet off the ground. Jeez. A couple hundred feet off the ground. Well, it'll fly. It, see, he says it'll fly to over thirty thousand feet, but it doesn't pressurize. So after twelve thousand, you're not going to care how high you are anymore. <laughs> hey, look at me! I'm doing my pain steward imitation. Get, right. Your what imitation? My pain steward imitation. <laughs> oh man! Even, I mean, if it's not heated, if it's not pressurized, well, yeah. I guess it has to be heated. But I was just thinking, well, you know, at, at, at thirty thousand feet, you would basically freeze if the thing yeah. depressurized. And you're you not going to fly it that high. It's a helicopter, and you don't fly helicopters yeah. that high either. You're gonna you're right. gonna you're gonna fly it at a few thousand feet, but you know right now if you want to fly a helicopter you have to fly from a certified heliport and you have to follow a flight plan and da 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 da. So for the regular schmo who's got 500 grand burning a hole in his pocket, this is probably not a, a useful <laughs> vehicle for you. Uh, yeah. But you know part of his plan he's still got a plan. You remember he's not done building the car was the easy part. It only took 30 years. How he, many more uh, years does he have left? How old is the guy? Well, he's yeah, he's in his late 60s now. So he's been at it for a long time. Is there anyone as crazy as him to take over the company when he's gone, and or as smart as he is? Nobody's as crazy as he is. But uh, but the thing is, he's got a flying car now, so you know he's made sort of over his threshold. He can afford to die. Somebody's going to exploit this thing. Hmm. But you know, part of his grand vision is this will be a completely automated vehicle. So you'll sit down, you'll type in an address, and it'll taxi out to the takeoff point, take off, hmm. report in where it's supposed to go, and fly with a whole bunch of its buddies over to the location and land again. Which you know, as if flying didn't you frighten you any enough. Intervention at all? Yeah. Well, you, what do you? Who do you trust more? A machine flying for you, or the average commuter? Yeah. Well, it depends. Mm. Is the machine running Windows ninety five? I mean, it, <laughs> you know, these things can go a little downhill. You know, depends on who wrote the software, what's going on. But now, I see your point. I feel talk safe about an Airbus being. Talk about what NASA. You said NASA is doing something about uh, uh, that. That's compatible with this vision. Well, NASA's got this thing called the Air Taxi Program. And in the Air Taxi Program, they're trying to get the idea that you'll, you'll take airliners to major destinations. You'll take an airliner to Chicago. But if you want to go to Rosemont, Illinois, you'll walk out uh, into a little taxi stand-like thing where there'll be these vertical takeoff vehicles that seat 
four and or seat six, and we'll take you to your individual destination for a fee fully automated. And, and it's not just the vehicles automated, but the air traffic control process is automated and so forth. And so, yeah, that M400 ties it beautifully into that concept because it's, it's on virtually, and I say virtually because I haven't actually seen one and the, the FAA isn't finished yet, uh, uh, virtually a working machine for it. So this idea that we need automated air traffic control and that we need the ability for people to have personal flight vehicles that can, uh, can work within it is uh, it's thought about by people in a broader sense than just molar. Yeah. But, I mean, that would be pretty awesome. NASA gets involved, you know, because NASA will just do it for $16 billion and probably not be able to provide anything, but it would I mean, still be a cool deal. I'd love to see that happen. It's an yeah. incredible yeah. It's an incredible vision to, to think about getting up in the morning, driving down the road, getting up on the highway, and just going airborne, and then going directly to your city of destination, get back down on the highway, get down on it, and, uh, and exit, and go to your... I mean, that's pretty awesome. If yeah. you can, yeah. That's why the guys had so much uh, interest. Yeah, well, he's he's been in popular see. science a dozen times, and it, you know, lots of people talking about it. But in the end, it's about building the machine successfully. What a terror! What a hardly uh, complex engineering issue that is. Another thing I wanted to say is that even though this is .NET Rocks, this stuff does appeal to geeks. You know? Oh, totally. I mean, the 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 person in you who loves to code is. Is is also probably really wanting to have a Skycar M two hundred. Who doesn't want to have a Skycar, man? That's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, the M two hundred uh, actually looks really dangerous, more dangerous than the M four hundred. Dangerouser, I might even say. Dangerouser, wow, that that's impressive. That's a that's that's a, a danger like quotient rotors, of three. Actually. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't look like the rotors rotate. It looks like they're all fixed. I I want to know how this thing works. On which unit? On the M two hundred. It, well, the M200, the M200 had nine fixed rotors aimed downward, and you varied the uh, pitch of the blades on each rotor to control, control direction. But apparently, the only yeah. person in the world who could actually do it was uh, was Moeller. So the air, you know, the the army that's the one he built for the army, and he was the only one who ever flew it. And they said, okay, whatever you do, don't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it looks cool, but. Uh... Oh, it's yeah, very flying saucer, it's really but yeah, it's like awesome. a little aerial death trap. Well, it's that, been kind of a cool time for private, you know, aircraft, hasn't it? I mean, we just had the spaceship one trip, and you've got this stuff going on. I yeah, mean, it's, it's a huge it's deal. Been, we're like, we're been, we're getting to this transcendent uh, point of civil aviation. What about voice over IP technology? This is uh, this is something that telephone companies are scared of. Changing um, gears a little bit here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, how far can we go with the Sky Car? Yep, it's cool. Yeah, hope he makes it. Okay. I think this, the most important thing was the story. I mean, the story of how this guy has done all these side jobs to make money and then, uh, yeah. and then stuffed him into the car. That's the story right there, yeah, man. That's the true wild. nerd. Makes me think I should, I should try to build a Sky Car so I can become a millionaire. You know, that's all you got to do. But don't reinvest it in the car. You know, just just stop. That's there. exactly. Well, but, but that's you have exactly to, what I was thinking. But you have to have the goods, man, Rory. You have to be able to are invent. You, are you saying I'm not navy? I'm not an aviation genius, Carl. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I'm <laughs> probably a happier person because of it. Yeah, that's probably true. Well, anyway, but I am an aviation. I am. I just yeah. You know, I don't care if you guys don't believe me. That's cool. Let's okay, move on to whatever. the next topic. Sure, asshole, dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> so, voice over IP. Yeah. 
So what? It, what's the state of voice over IP? It's uh, obviously you know Rory is using voice over IP right now. As a matter of fact, so yep. it's not just for telephone quality applications, but we're actually pushing uh, MP3 data through the web using uh, using a tool called Audio TX Communicator. There we've set it. And uh, it's about an $850 software program. Now, there are codecs out there that we investigated that cost, they start at two grand a piece, and you need at least two of them, and the good ones are five grand a piece. And they do the same thing that this software does for 850 bucks. So most people think of voice over IP as, you know, free phone, you know, or telephone without having to pay more than I'm already paying for my internet connection, and that's what a lot of people are using it for. But we're actually using it for MP3 quality audio in stereo, actually. Yeah, we tried Skype. Rob Windsor says uh, Skype. People are like, Skype, Skype. And Skype is, you know, that sort of a little bit better than telephone quality, but it's nowhere near what we're doing here. I mean, this program we're using is absolutely awesome. Yeah, I mean, Skype's redeeming feature is its price. Sure. Yeah. But you still have to, you know, the challenge of using Skype is it's all PC-based, so you still need to get a microphone that's decent quality and get some sound with a decent quality and get everything configured. But right. you know, for the most part, Skype works pretty darn well for what it is. Um, but for the average mortal, you know, it's, you know, it's, and I hate to say the word Antilly because then I'd be in a Java space, but yeah, for the average mortal, you're not going to make Skype work. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a geek thing. Right. And uh, for, for, you know, my litmus test is always, can I put this into the house so my wife doesn't complain? Yeah. And that's where I got into, into the Vonage product. <laughs> wow. Like, I don't know what this is, but get it off of my desk. It's a fair measure of this technology is not viable. That's right. <laughs> but uh, you get into, you look at like Vonage. It's, they're not the only ones. Up here in Canada, we have Primus. There's Packet 8. You know, there's a few different companies that make these. Uh, so what's Vonage's uh, flagship product? What's their killer app? Well, they, they, I mean, these guys sell voice over IP telephone service. You order it from them, or you can pick it up at a, at a, at a retail outlet. And it's a little Motorola box, so a little black box, and it's got a pair of Ethernet jacks on it and a pair of phone jacks on it. And you plug your, your cable modem or your DSL modem or whatever your high-speed Internet connection is, you plug it into this box, and then it's, uh, you plug your machine into the other jack or plug your switch into the other jack. It's a little NAT router as well. Hmm. And uh, it takes about 10 minutes to set itself up. It talks out to the network. You go onto a web page and sign up with the box. And, uh, and then the, you just plug a regular phone into the phone jack and you get a dial tone, plain and simple. Huh. That's it. You're done. You have a dial tone. That's fascinating. And for $35 a month, you have unlimited calling to the U.S. and Canada. So, you know, no, and then the actual long distance rates, like to the UK is three cents a minute. But I mean, you're getting, you're getting that the phone companies obviously have waken up, woken up and smelled the coffee They're The, the, the prices for long distance is getting obscenely cheap, isn't right. it? Right. But you can't really beat free. That's not free though. <laughs> well, it's $35 a month, but you're paying that much plus, for your phone line anyway. Right. Plus the internet charges and plus yeah. the computer and all the, well, not the computer, but the internet yeah. charges. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you're going to have that internet connection anyway. Yeah, right? that's true. You don't get an internet connection for the purpose of getting voice over IP. You get an internet connection to get porn. Well, of course. Why else? <laughs> <laughs> and then along the way, you can make phone calls too. 
Ah, right. So you can actually call the people who are making the porn. The porn. And yeah. it, about, yeah. As near as I can tell, they don't accept 1-900 numbers. Not that I know any reason why I might know that, but... <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, and anything about it is just so bloody simple. And, and then when you get to the geeky side of the equation, I've got a Vonage phone set up here. It's the call forwarding features that I can configure this thing to say, look, call the voice over IP line. If nobody answers, after 30 seconds, call this other number. Hmm. Or set it up so I've got to set up so it rings both. You call my main number, it rings in my office and on my cell phone at exactly the same time. Whichever one I answer first wins. And uh, same thing with the voicemail features. If, the, if nobody answers, go to the voicemail. And when the, when, you, when the guy records the voicemail, email it to me. So hmm. I don't have to get pick up my mail. It's in my inbox. Hmm. Yeah. And also, from what I understand with Vonage and a lot of these things, and f- forgive me if you've said this and I just wasn't listening because that happens once in a while, is uh, that you can have numbers that are local to different states or parts of the country and so that people can call those numbers and it'll ring you wherever you are on the internet. You're, you're absolutely correct, and I did not mention that. Actually, I have a customer who has an office in Costa Rica, and most of the staff members are from Vancouver and Toronto. So we put a box uh, down there that has a local Vancouver number and a local Toronto number in it. So the, uh, the people that are still living back home can call down to them without any long-distance charges. Huh, that's pretty nice. And that's the, the tricky thing about this box is it's wherever it's set up is where the phone number is. So you can take it with you, plug it into a, a broadband connection, and whoop, that's your phone line now. So all you really have to do is get one of these, put it in every city in the country, and you've got your own phone company, basically. Yeah, you've got to pay for a lot of internet connections along the way, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> so the other weird gizmos you can get with this thing, that, that whole protocol is called SIP. Uh, a friend of mine who's in, who's deeply into this voice over IP space handed me a uh, a wireless phone that uses Wi-Fi 802.11b. So you can put your Vonage number into this phone, and anywhere you can find a wireless hotspot, your phone will ring if somebody calls your number. That's cool. That is pretty That's cool. <laughs> pretty little wicked gizmo, huh? So yeah, wow. find yourself a, a web connection, and off you go. So we're talking about Vonage.com if you really want to. You said and if you're in Canada, it's Vonage.ca. Okay. Somebody mentioned in the chat room that uh, it's not that cheap in other parts of the world. Is that true? Not I, that cheap for... I think he was talking about long distance not being that cheap, Carl. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I do a lot of business offshore. Believe me, in North America, we got it sweet for telecom. Yeah. Like it's, it's a whole different league when you get into areas like the Caribbean. Right, Where yeah. there's only one phone company, there's only, and it's the same company that owns the cable. And no, the not a piece, I. Yeah. Or even just Europe. When I was when I was in France, I paid ten cents a minute just to get on a dial-up net connection. You know, there were all these free ISPs out there, and I couldn't figure out why every single ISP was free. And it's because you couldn't afford to pay for the ISP after you paid for your connection. Mm. It's expensive. You know, you, you get you get on the you get on the internet for, you know, say an hour, and it's six bucks. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah, so, the comp- yeah, CompuServe didn't... rate circa 1983. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. kidding. Yeah, I had the 2020 service, 20 hours for $20. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. It's very expensive. Jeez. Yeah. Well, uh, what else is new in the VOIP space? Well, the uh, the the gear uh People are doing tricks with it now. I've got a friend who decided to switch over completely to Vonage. And so he said, well, how do I get this all through my house? And what we did was go out and disconnect his, 
his phone line from the house and then plug in the Vonage box on one of the jacks. And that, of course, made it appear on all the other jacks. So mm. his, uh, yeah, he bypassed needing a phone from the external line. Of course, he's got a cable modem. So he's now telephone company free and happy about it. Wow. Hmm. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a good trick. Um, the other thing that people are after is being able to take these things with them. Uh, and one of the things you need is a pretty raw IP connection uh, for the box. So if you get into like a hotel where everything's natted and right. filtered and so forth, box won't work. So Vonage also offers this thing called a soft phone, which is basically a PC-based phone like Skype that you can use inside of a hotel. So you can hook up your machine, use their broadband connection, and now your phone will ring on your PC. Uh, and then if you want to get fancy, you set up that crazy uh, wireless SIP phone, and now you've got a phone that works as well. Huh, yeah. I've got a question. Have you ever worked with uh, Free World Dial-Up at all? Oh, uh, Jeff services? Pulver. It actually, that uh, that wireless phone I was talking about is a Pulver creation. Really? Yeah. That's oh. uh, pulverinnovations.com came up with that. So Jeff Pulver is the bane of the telephone industry. There's actually an FCC regulation called the Pulver Regulation. Wow. Are you serious? Because this guy's caused that much trouble that he's now, you know, known. And, and you know, the, the telco has been gunning for this guy forever. But, yeah, free world dial-up is, you know, the thing that you need is when you've got this SIP device talking out to the network, it's got to register itself somewhere. It's got to say, you know, Carl's phone number's online at this IP so that other people can go and look there. And Free World Dial-Up is a free version of that. Like a the DNS data, server. Yeah, in a way, it's like a DNS. It's like a dynamic DNS server for, for SIP. Um, the, the downside is that it's a bare-bones setup. You've got to know what you're doing to get it up and running. And it only works SIP to SIP. You don't have the option to call to regular landlines like you would say with Vonage. I mean, the Vonage setup, which you're paying for, is that they have put these gateways in so that you can call anywhere for you know, the flat rate. Actually, I had somebody once, and this is weird because we didn't think this was supposed to happen. And, you know, you can choose to not believe me if you want. But uh, one of my friends was using uh, one of the free, one, some free world dial-up type client on, uh, on his tablet PC he had in my house. And, you know, he was, he was calling his system at home and he was calling, you know, all these other things. And then he dialed the telephone number and my cell phone rang. Spooky. And he tried it again later and it said no available lines. So it seems like... Yikes. Maybe someone somewhere at Free World Dial-Up is experimenting with setting up gateways or something. Right. And, you know, had accidentally flipped the switch. Or left it open. Yeah. yeah. Or, or we, it turned it on to do some testing and you happened to slip in at just that moment. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I'm wondering, and I have, I have a sort of open source, you know, free software thing going on that's, you know... You know, it's, it's actually my, my, I'm the dark side of .NET rocks. And, you know, I have my Linux server and all of that stuff. But uh, That's right. We still love you, yeah, Jeff. I've got Linux going on. Yeah, I'm on you the get dark Linux side going too. on only... on my server, you know. <laughs> uh, a pair, two of the eight machines in my rack are running variations of Red Hat. I was well, actually wondering about that. Okay, yeah. see, we were lying and we found you out. We're totally putting <laughs> the Microsoft SWAT team. Yeah, all right. Yeah, the black helicopters are circling up. So what I was wondering is, you know, what's what? Why is Vonage making all of this money when, you know, when people can set up gateways themselves and just do things that way? I mean, the technology exists now so that you don't have you have you have boxes like Vonage boxes, um, and you can drop gateways anywhere that are hardware, and people can use regular telephones to talk to their you know whatever box to talk to gateways in other places. Why is you know why is it a corporate infrastructure and not like a private one or, or sorry why not a public one? 
Mm. I think uh, it's the complexity in caring and feeding for it. And mm. uh, Vonage really does make it simple. You know, you can, you can wander true. into your friendly neighborhood computer store, pick up one of these boxes, go home, and have a dial tone in 20 minutes. Mm. You don't need to know any more than that. So, I mean, you're right. For geeks like us, if we knuckle down, we could set all this stuff up ourselves. And that's really what Jeff Pulver's done with his whole free world dial-up. He said, look, you know, if you know your way around this stuff, here you go. Knock yourselves out. It's for, it's for free. But if you don't know and you don't want to know and you just want the thing to work, well, here you go. Yeah, right. Now, you're also a wireless nerd, as I found out at uh, DevTeach. Because <laughs> we were arguing over all the different types of access points. And so <laughs> tell, me, tell me what Richard Campbell's house looks like from a wireless standpoint. Well, I only I have an ABG in the basement, and then I have a, a BG upstairs uh, that are mapped the same domains with WEP on, of course. I take of it you course. like microwaves. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was. You know, we've got a fairly lousy cell receiver signal in here, so cell phones don't work all that well in the basement. So I found this company that actually manufactures uh, the uh, the nineteen hundred megahertz repeater. It's about six hundred bucks. So you you throw a YAG antenna up on the roof, aim it at the nearest. Uh, cell tower, and then you can have your own puck antenna inside the house. And that was sort of where the wife drew the line. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. She says, uh, okay, that's enough microwaves. So you act, do you actually have that device? Or no, you... no. I, I, like I, said, I was all set to order it. She and I drew got the, the line in front of it. I got the spousal it. veto right there. Right. Uh, well, you know what you should do is you should get her, you know, say, well, can I get rid of, you know, one of the access points and get this? Yeah, yeah would that help? That's one thing I loved about Bluetooth is now I can keep my cell phone in my pocket, use my wireless headset, get testicular cancer and brain cancer at the same time. (laughs) Now, Richard, the thing I found about uh, getting things past the wife is you have to buy her some jewelry at the same time. So it's going to cost you twice as much, but it will work. It will eventually work. yeah. Yeah. So if you buy her some jewelry and you buy the thing, you know, then it's actually that works. Just to, to put the cell phone hockey puck in, get it working reliably too. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's there's solutions there, but for us, you know, when we're speakers, like to hang out at, at the conferences. You know, we, we all get together and we geek out. We talk about gear and we show off our laptop bags and and uh, and we all want to be online <laughs> at the same time. So uh, you know, and bit by bit, the the, the conference organizers be good about putting more access points in. But for a long time, I always drag an, uh, an access point and NAT router combined an old D-Link box with me so that it, you know, I'd get a decent-sized room and have a few guys over right. and I'd buy the, uh, the, wire, the, the broadband service from the, the uh, hotel and then set up the access point. But you want something small you know, that you can take with you in a bag that looks as little like a bomb as possible so yes. that they don't search your bag every time. Um, and, uh, and we found some amazingly tiny ones. D-Link makes a, 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 a little thing that's maybe four inches across that has everything in it. And uh, Asus also makes one, the, the, the 330, that uh, is quite small, too, although it doesn't have a NAT router. But the King now, the one I, I still don't own and i got to go buy one, is made by Apple, of all bloody people. Really? Oh, yeah. Their Airport yeah. Express, man, is the most amazing little gizmo I've ever seen. It is, A, it's tiny. It's like four by three by one. <laughs> it's got it. It doesn't have a wall wart. There's no brick attached to it. It actually has the outlet jack sticking out of the side of it. They just fold out. You stick it in the wall. Ooh. It's NAT router built in, G is built in, so you can get on the wireless. That's everything you need right there. And then the kicker is what they're actually selling it as for about 140 US. It has stereo outputs, 
Wow. It integrates with the iTunes software. Oh, you're joking. That's so, so Are cool. you serious? So you can go to your iTunes software on your PC, say play, and it'll give you a list of all the access points that are in your network. And you say, put it out that one, and that's plugged into your, your stereo upstairs, and off you go. That's so cool. That's, that, it's damn. an amazing little toy. And while you were saying the reason I laughed wasn't because of the size, but Rob Windsor said in the chat room, Richard's laptop almost ate my little Acer at DevTeach. <laughs> Your laptop is the biggest f***ing laptop I've ever seen in my life. It, it's the, it's the, you know, the last time I had a laptop this big, it was made by Compact, and it, had a, it looked like a suitcase. <laughs> it is the, amazingly uh, huge. It's not uh, a laptop. It's a... It's a desktop machine that has this monitor attached. And yes. It's a good 12 pounds. So uh, this is a new Dell, right? This is a new Dell XPS, which is, yeah, it's a 3.4 gigahertz P4 hyperthread with 800 megahertz front-side bus. That's and 128 meg video card. It's the full-bore machine. Yes, but is it water-cooled? It is not water-cooled, and that pisses me off, too, because there's <laughs> lots of fans of this thing, and it is loud when it's running hard. <laughs> Why'd you go for that instead of a Centrino? Um... Uh, I just felt that the Centrino wasn't physically large enough. And uh, <laughs> if I really want to be a stud in the speaker lounge, you know, you need a really big, ugly machine. Because people are going to be looking at your computer, right? Yeah, that's all they look at, really. And yeah. it, Well, of course, especially in my sessions, because the machine's so big, you can't see me if I sit down anyway. <laughs> Rich says to huh. keep keep giving those specs, he's getting a, he's getting a Woody. <laughs> <laughs> Dual overhead cam with quad hemis and a blower. Oh, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And you just rattle, rattle those numbers off. It's, just, it's, the, it's the 1950s again, you know. Yeah, it's it just, really is. Yep. Instead of a Ford, you've got a Dell. Hey, wasn't that restaurant awesome in Montreal that we went to, Berlin? Oh, the, the German place? The German restaurant? Oh, uh, yeah. We, we, Food that sticks to your ribs like Elmer's glue. It was oh, something else. This, uh, this guy that we met up there, Claude, took us uh, around, and he had taken Tom Eberhard and I to this restaurant last year, and we decided to go this year, but Tom couldn't make it uh, because of timing and schedules and all this stuff. But anyway, so Richard and I and Claude went uh, out to this restaurant. Biggest schnitzel I've ever seen in my life. It was freaking yeah. awesome. Uh, if you it, like German food. It was, a, it was the biggest schnitzel I've ever seen. It was astounding. Almost as big as your laptop. Yeah, almost as big, but a little thinner and not quite as hot. Yeah, didn't, and your laptop didn't taste as good either. So, Well, you know, you put enough sauce on it. <laughs> Plus, yeah, I think I need to stuff my laptop with mushrooms. <laughs> uh, calm down, Rory. It was good. <laughs> he doesn't like mushrooms, I don't think. No mush- You're not a mushroom guy, Rory. Right, I, I I have an utter total fear of them and hatred and loathing. Alfred in the Brian chat Jepson, room. No, go ahead. Brian Jepson out out at, out at a rally put it best when he said, uh, uh, "He said I don't like him either." And I said, "Why?" And he said, "Because I feel like at any minute they would rise against us." <laughs> and I think he's right. That's kind of how I feel about it too. They're eerie things. They're not like plants or animals. They're their own thing, and I don't like it. Spores, gills, mushroom. I can't. That's all. Oh, sorry, your head. this isn't my show. Mushroom cloud. You think you think that's yeah. a coincidence? Huh? Alfred says, "Hey, Carl, aren't you going to drink some whiskey anymore during the show?" And the answer is no. I've actually, after going to Dev Teach, I'm I'm swearing off of food and drink for thirty days. <laughs> what do you do food with Dev Teach? <laughs> we just ate so ate. much. Oh, oh okay. My God. Yeah, we ate our way across Montreal. There, we did 
some serious damage. We had some good scotch. We had some great food, lots of it, and you know it just never stopped. So I, I barely made it home. Seriously, I fasted for a day, and I'm still I'm still full from, <laughs> from that uh, from that schnitzel. Actually, was the the killer. Yeah, you Ooh. said you weren't going to eat it all. You know, you said that. You I did. At, you've marked off half of it. You said, I'm only going to eat this. You <laughs> and ate I the whole bloody thing. it off, except for a couple of bites. Yeah. And the red cabbage and that dark beer. Oh, man, it's just... Yeah. Oh, yeah, red cabbage right. is really good, though. Yes. I mean, when you go to a German restaurant and you get that stuff, it's it's hard not to eat everything put in front of you. Oh, yeah. In one of those places, unless there's pork or mushrooms involved, in which case... So I'm actually... haven't had insane. coffee for a couple of days, no booze, just trying to, uh, you know, come back to come back to earth here a little bit. But it was a fine show. It wasn't a huge show, but it was a good show. Yes, it was good. It was great, actually. And there was this magician guy who was going around doing card tricks that we got to uh, talk to and meet, show me a new new trick or two. But, you know, you know, when you see somebody doing close-up card tricks, close-up, like you're looking five inches away from the cards and you still can't see. And you and the thing is, you know what he's doing and you can't see it. Yeah. That's, that's really, really impressive. Wow. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. So, uh, have we run out of nerd topics? No, we couldn't have run out of nerd topics. There's always more. There's There's, the, you know, the, the next generation of water cooling gear is coming along now. They're getting into more passive cooling. You don't need fans on your radiators anymore. You've actually got artwork radiators. These four <laughs> foot tall blue lumpy things that, uh, that you cool your machine off with without actually having a fan at all. Jeez. And, uh, you have a four foot tall thing instead, right? I mean, <laughs> Well, because you know, bigger is always better. Yeah. Oh, I guess so. You're right. Yeah. Well, Richard, it's about time where we come to the to the end of our discussion. So, is there any last minute things that you want to uh, last minute words of wisdom to impart on the listening audience out there? Kids, don't try this at home. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the liquid nitrogen bit. Stay away from that. It's bad yeah, for you. That's actually true. Yeah, I've that's got a true. buddy who accidentally swallowed some and he just about died. It. We we were at no. I'm not going to tell my story. It was really gross. Swallowed yeah, liquid nitrogen. Yikes! How do you just a little bit? Yeah. How do you do that? Well, you that's know, part it of the stupidity. Lip. Oh man. We we were we. It was actually at my old college. We had this thing called Nitrogen Day, and uh, the whole day long, you just do stuff with liquid nitrogen. And this guy was making ice cream for people with liquid nitrogen, right? And uh, he was also pouring it in their beer, and he was pouring it in their soda, and that's actually okay as long as you don't swallow any of it it's okay but in doing something he accidentally swallowed a little piece of it and he just he collapsed he fell to really? the ground he 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 couldn't say anything because the stuff expands it's it, it expands by something like 600 fold it, it's incredible so you have a little tiny nugget inside of you and it just gets huge and uh and he was just pointing at his back frantically. And this girl ran up behind him and smacked him. And he simultaneously belched, the loudest belch I've ever heard in my entire life. And he farted just like this thunderous, <laughs> incredible. It, it Good just, Lord. You know, there was like a slap back echo from the walls. And then he got up. He looked at us in a dazed fashion, walked three feet over to a tree, puked his guts out, and then passed out. And it, it, it was okay, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, he was... He was a pretty seasoned drinker, so this was like just Lord. sort of par for the course for him, you know. But ouch, uh, ouch! Was, yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to drink liquid nitrogen. How's that and for words is, of wisdom, folks? Yeah, don't. don't drink he's, he's a, he's a way to wrap be. up the show, man. 
He's lucky to be alive, really. A lot of people die from that. It'll freeze your lungs on the way down. It's one of the things it'll do. Like and, You don't uh, need to put that on the list of things not to do. Don't drink liquid nitrogen. It's like, don't chew broken glass. Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't apply don't, a nail gun to your head. Don't bite a high-voltage wire. That's <laughs> one of those basic things. All right, man. Look, man, it was college. We didn't know anything yet. We had to learn things there, and then we were smart afterwards. All right. Well, well, Richard, we're going to have to say goodbye. But listen, thanks for doing the show. This was a great departure from our normal, usual boring web services, blah 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 stuff. So, so I really, really appreciate it. And it was good meeting you, and and uh, thanks for thanks again. What can I say? Thanks, Bert. Carl. It was a lot of fun. See you guys later. All right. We'll talk later. to you later. What do you think of that, Rory? I actually thought that was pretty good. Um, I like these shows that we do that aren't necessarily .NET focused. Me too. Because it's 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 fun to break it up every once in a while and do something different. And hardware is something we hadn't done yet. And and to be honest, hardware is something I've gotten away from over the years. As yeah, me too. Software oriented, and hardware's gotten too complicated. So hardware's become a real pain in the ass. Yeah, you guys are just jerks. <laughs> and there's <laughs> well, Jeff. No, I'll tell you why. It's, <laughs> hardware is like buying hardware nowadays is like buying toothpaste, right? You buy your tube of Crest Tartar Control, you know, one week, and then you use it all up, and you go back the next time, you're like, I want to get another tube of that. But they don't have it. Instead, they have Crest Tartar Control with fresh breath crystals or something, all right? And you use that up, and then you go back, and you get another one. Now, they don't have that anymore. They've got, like, Tartar Control fresh, fresh breath crystal whitening, glistening toothpaste. You know, it's orange-flavored. They, toothpaste technology proceeds extremely quickly, and it leaves a lot of us behind, and that's kind of how I feel about hardware. Yeah. So I, I was glad we had that talk, and I feel less afraid of the world now because Great. Of <laughs> Great. Dude, I can't wait until your medication kicks in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, listen, uh, on behalf of... The namespace, uh, the namespace. Oh, yeah, the namespace. Well, this is the time in our show where we give away uh, some swag, and uh, this uh, this show we we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, thanks to Jim Duffy who gave me this Geek Man guy. We I think it's so good we're going to give one away. So it's a, a Geek Man action figure, and right now we'd like you to go to www.franklins.net slash call.netrocks and get yourself a uh, – and go ahead and enter your – namespace of the week and we will pick from a lucky listener and uh go ahead and do that so rory you gonna go out and get some water cooling uh, equipment and go to town or what you know i i like talking about this stuff and i like thinking about it but i'm so busy just with like the writing and the software and the coding and and also trying to maintain a reasonably healthy social life that I don't know if I could get on my hands and knees and retrofit my computer with water cooling. Plus, because I'm running these two laptops, I don't actually have any fan noise anyway. So there's not a lot of reason for me to do it. But yeah. I like talking about it. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. And the winner of the Geek Man action figure is Clark Scott, ladies and gentlemen. Yay! Bravo! Bravo, bravo. 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 So... Bravo. This has been uh, this has been a great show, and on behalf of myself and uh, Rory Blythe out there in Portland, Oregon, and Jeff Maciolik on the sound the sound guy. Thank you, thank you. Chiming in there, we really enjoyed your uh, your contributions to the conversation, man. Thanks, thanks. It was fun. This is fun. I so had a good time. This is .NET Rock signing off. Until next time, go write some good code. Time.